Hi, I'm Mark Danziger. I'm, I'm going to be a guest on today's Agile World, and we're talking about leadership as coaches. And that's going to be a mildly controversial topic, I think, in the Agile World. I'm kind of excited to talk about it with April and with Steve, and I'm kind of interested in what everyone else thinks of that as well. So please listen in, and thanks very much. How's that? I think that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> and I'm going to leave that in there where he said, how's that? <laughs> Bastard. Cool. I'll do my real quick. I'm April Jefferson. I'm excited to talk about Mark. We're going to dig in and unpack, ask challenging questions, and see where we get. And we might even hear a couple of dad jokes. So welcome to Agile, Agile World. We're, we, we're already starting to have fun. Uh, I am here with April Jefferson, and luckily we finally nailed down Mark Danziger, who I think is coming to us from his garage in LA. But anyway, April, what's going on today? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to just dig into, I'm going to say Mark with a C with tons of interesting stories. We kind of chatted a little bit before we began, and... He has some humdingers for us, which I'm uh, <laughs> so excited to unpack. So we're, we're going to be talking about leaders as coaches. So Mark, welcome. I'm glad to be here. It's great. It's great to meet you, April. And Steve, it's always great to hang out with you. And Mark, Mark so, so Mark is going to tell us at least one dad joke before everything. Okay. At some point. And, and April's going to move her microphone up just a little bit because she's great <laughs> at that. Just a Perfect. little bit? <laughs> so mark mark come on did, did you did you find a dad joke uh hang on i'm looking in the family chat for the last one i sent my kids <laughs> we'll come back to the dad joke <laughs> so tell us a so, little bit what what are your thoughts um just like about leaders as coaches so so one of the things that i i, I had there are a couple of times in my life when I've had kind of the Zen whack upside the head with the two by four kind of realization <laughs> that, you know, but, but really like, I don't know if this happens to everybody or just me because I've been hitting the head so many times, but you have this moment when like your perspective shifts. And we, I, I, we were working with a client and it's a client that had a very strong culture, like that a very well-defined persona of who the people in this, in this company were. And, and part of the problem was that persona because it was very controlling and it wasn't one that left a lot of room for people underneath to kind of operate in ways that, that we know make them successful by having autonomy and, you know, psychological safety and all the good stuff, right? And I love, uh, when you describe that, I, I really sense like, oh, they walk in and the air is taken out of the room. But Yeah, ahead. very much, very much. And that's what, that's <laughs> what, that's what their, their vision of leadership was. With the two by four? He fights with sticks. He does. He practices, <laughs> he practices that Filipino thing where they fight with sticks and they hit each other. So he's been hitting the head all the There's a stick in back of me. You can see one of my sticks. There... <laughs> see, that's why I was laughing when he said get hit in the head. I know, I know. Um, but, but what I realized was, first of all, that we were coaching against these leaders, right? We're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to break this pattern that went all the way up this organization. 
And that in reality, the leaders of this organization were the coaches, that people were adopting the leadership style. Oh, now I got to find my cat. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> I'm showing a picture of my dog because she came down to visit me. Very nice. Aww. Hopefully my cat will come out from behind the he wine loves boxes. Me more than anybody. I am going to go pick up my daughter at noon, but this dog loves me more than, more, more than my daughter loves me. <laughs> <laughs> That's never true. Hey. No, That's I love my daughter more than I love the dog, but the dog loves me more. <laughs> Daughters love their fathers. They do. You have. Anyway, I'm sorry. We digress, Mark. Let's no, we digress. So but what I realized when, when I had this flash of insight was that the leaders already were the coaches, except that they were coaches who had the power to hire and fire, and they were coaches who had power to direct, and they were coaches who basically could, you know, who, who could reward people who were successfully coached. And, and, what I, and then I kind of had this step back moment when I realized that in a lot of organizations as agile coaches who get hired in from the outside, whether, whether you're hired in as a W-2 employee or whether you're a contractor who's there for six to 18 months, you know, you're, you're battling against this internal kind of leadership style in coaching and that what you need to do is stop fighting it head on and subvert it. And what you need to do is convince the leaders to become the coaches to drive the kind of culture they want. And that's a much slower process. It's not, it's not as, you know, you can't set yourself up as a hero in that sense. It's, you're, you don't get to be the, the heroic person who stands up and cheer and chants people on to kind of, you know, break the chains, you know, free yourselves. And, 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 and which takes some of the wind out of, I think, our self-image as agile coaches. But in fact, when you can win those people over and you can pull them, even if you pull them 20 degrees towards you, that's a bigger win than spending six months, you know, convincing everybody in the organization that their leaders suck. Well, and I think that. Suck, so what is and, it about coaches? What do you, what do you mean coaching? So what I mean by, so what, what I mean by coaching is coaches basically are people who teach and reinforce behavior. So, so, you know, my wife and I go to a gym and we have a coach, Coach Maravec, who is insane and is, is, <laughs> is, 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 it, like, it's just, it, she's nuts. And I don't know how she ever, she's one of these tiny kind of women who never sleeps and like raises children and has two jobs and gets up at five in the morning to coach people. And it's like, how, how do you do this? How, how do I get that energy? Like, what do I, what do I do to be like you? But what she does is she reinforces behavior in us, right? She reinforces like, hey, have you run a mile today, right? Have you done these things today? Have you, you know, here, here's a path that you can follow to get to where you want to be, and I'm going to walk you along it. And to me, that's what a good coach does. And I'm going to add to that, that a good coach does it not on the journey the coach wants you to take, but on the journey you want to take. And I think that one of the mistakes that we make in the agile world is that we all have this idealized version of what we think every organization should look like. And what we want to do is we're going to drag everybody we talk to kicking and screaming into that idealized version rather than asking them, hey, what do you need? Right. What, what's you know, what's wh where are you getting blisters today? What's hurting you? What's what's your problem that we can help you solve? And what our gym coach does that I think is great is she's very focused on, well, what do you want out of this? 
right? And for me, it's, I want to be functionally fit. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy. I don't want to, I don't want to wind up being the old guy who can't get up off the sofa. You know, I want to be able to carry my grandkids around. I want to be able to do 5Ks with the family on Thanksgiving. And that's all I want. I don't have any pretext that I'm going to, you know, go on a beach and flex and, you know, impress young women. I don't have a, I don't have a notion that I'm going to go be an Olympic athlete. Um, this is, this is what I want out of it. And she takes me down that path. You know, my wife wants to be able to run and, and be a successful runner. So she does what she has to do to take her down her path. And that to me is, is the art of great coaching. And what a good leader ought to do, I believe, you know, and the times I've been a leader, what I've tried to do is to basically ask people like, where do you want to go? What do you want out of this job other than a paycheck? And how do we make, make this job take you on the path that you want to be? And, and what we ought to be doing as agile coaches is a class of who are themselves kind of a class of leaders is we should be working with the people, I think, in organizations to turn them into agile coaches. And basically to say that part of this, because one of the things that I think we need to get away from, and one of the things that I think customers are tired of in the agile industry is, the, is this idea that there's this 18 month agile course and at the end of 18 months, if you give us millions of dollars, right, we will come to your business and we will make your business agile. There, it's, it, that's not how it's, it doesn't work. It's not how it is. And what we're doing is we're setting people off on a long journey, a lifetime journey of constantly improving and constantly making their organizations better. And the only people who can own that journey are the leaders of the organization. So tell me, am I crazy? Well, one, one, it's, it's quite possible because you do get hit by sticks, but, 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 you, but you make a lot of sense on this particular point. Okay. <laughs> I, would, I would say, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a lot in there. And, um, and as you, how you describe coaching first of all you need to understand coaching there's different forms of coaching and um and i think you articulated more than one form of coaching in that description and like sure. what is that uh what does coaching look like uh as as a leader and uh in in what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they're supporting um agile coaching depending on uh can be different um, and I definitely believe there's a difference between consulting versus coaching and and, and seeing that um, and helping what you tapped in uh, in your second description of coaching of understanding like what are your uh, goals and how do you how do you want to get there right um, uh, so I, I believe you described two different forms of coaching and yeah. uh and they're and and they're important for people. I want to just point out so people can see that and yeah. and, and understand those distinctions. Uh, one coach is similar to what you articulated was like, hey, like a, a sports coach, you know, like your uh, gym coach, your personal trainer, and that type of thing, versus uh, the other type of coaching and and understanding when to do that sort of coaching and why they're important and how you can add value and how that is valuable to show up like that as a leader. Yeah. 
there, there's a thing that, and Steve, you and I have talked about it kind of just incidentally, and I think maybe in one of the, one of the talks I gave with you, one of the things that I think is, is a problem for us in the Agile community is that I feel like most of the Agile folks I know are deeply ambivalent about leadership. And there is a, there's a part of the Agile community, and I'm going to exaggerate for clarity, right? That's very much, I don't know if you remember the Monty Python bit in um, Holy Grail, you know, where, where the king comes on, you know, the, the peasants working in the field and, and he says, well, where, you know, take me to your king. And they go, we don't have a king. We're an anarcho-syndicalist commune. We take turns in all our positions, right? And he goes, well, how do you run your lives without a king? Well, you know, and, and they go on from there. Um, and I think there's a lot of agile coaches who kind of idealize the idea of leaderless organizations. And that, you know, what we really want is we want totally emergent, you know, conditional leadership that's constantly going to change within the organization from moment to moment. And, and the problem is there are very few organizations that can, that, that, that I historically have ever functioned like that in human history. And, and that, and that by maintaining that ambivalence about leadership, I think we keep ourselves from being effective in the organizations we work in that do in fact have leaders and managers. And that I think that, that we in the agile world need to look in the mirror and figure out what is, what is our agile stance on leadership? And what is our agile stance on management? How do we, how do we propose to deal with these problems? And, and what do we wanna propose as structures that make sense? And for me, right, and, and you know, I'm, I'm a semi, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a guy who grew up a long time ago. There, I kind of accept the idea of leadership and management. I, it's part of the world that I've always lived in. But I think that there's a giant gap between effective, good, and healthy leadership and management and ineffective, you know, bad and destructive leadership and management. And, and I see kind of my role as an advisor who gets called into these, these organizations sometimes to try and guide leaders from one side of the cliff to the other, to, to get them to a place where they could be more effective. And, and I think that when I talk to other agilists who are like, well, we should just do away with it. And it just, you know, I'm not going to coach any team that hasn't volunteered to be coached is one of the classic things that I hear from, from agilists. And I'm like, no, dude, no, that's not, that just, that, that is not, you know, a rational position to take. It's not one that's defensible in the world. Um, Why do you say that? Because ultimately, uh, that, that I, let me try and come up with a with a with a good and pithy way of saying it. That's 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 you know serious. We live in a world where our employers, our employment is conditional on the approval of our employers. Everyone's. And that one of the things that employers condition on is that you work in a manner that supports the outcome of the, of the business. And I respect that that power exists and it's legitimate. Now, let me, let me make a practical point around it. I can think of one or two companies, one that I'm, I'm talking to potentially coach right now, and one where I knew a bunch of the senior leaders and, and, and talked with them. It was a computer game company and they basically were do what you want, right? 
you're the team that's responsible for this function. Use whatever tools you want. Use whatever methods you want. Just, just deliver. And it worked great for a while. And, and then it started crashing really hard. And it started crashing really hard because, among other things, nobody used compatible tool sets. Nobody defined work in compatible ways. It was impossible to plan and predict across multiple teams and do the kind of roll-up work that you have to do to deliver big products in the modern age. And I think that if you have a business like, and I'll pick, I'm going to pick Amazon, right? And, and I've got a lot of issues with Amazon, but let's, let's put them aside for a minute and just talk about, about tech. They've done some amazing things. They have, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, but, but, but one of the things they do is they basically decompose their business into a, middle, a million little components that can work semi-autonomously. Right. And that's one of the things that's been a, a, a part of their secret sauce in terms of making them successful. But as a consumer, right. And I'll, and I'll talk about a little thing. I do read a lot of books and I buy, I, I buy a lot fewer books on Amazon than I ever did before, but I still buy a lot of books on Amazon. Um, the, where's the wish list button on a given product on Amazon? Right. It's in at least, I, I can, I, I count six different places on the page where there's a wish list button, <laughs> right? I spend more bloody time trying to put things on, on my reminder wish list, right, than I want to in, in a company like Amazon. So on one hand, it's liberating for them to have all these teams that own different landing pages kind of own their own future and things like that. But as a consumer, as somebody who's working with the organization, what I really kind of want is a consistent experience across the organization. And so how do you resolve that in a world where every team gets to do exactly what it wants? And, and so April, you asked the question and it's a really legit question. Did anything I say kind of make sense or resonate as an answer to that? I can see your perspective. I'm definitely in the crowd of uh, coaching by invitation. Um, uh, and, uh, but I believe that uh, that that consent to be coached can be gained, and it's how do you do that? Just like I believe curious people are coachable. So the question is, how do you get them curious and doing the work to do that, and also doing the work to uh, get invitation uh, to be coached? So um, it's just more of a instead of what well because uh, a lot of them you're all right that we get brought into organizations to coach and and um, because leadership thought it was a great idea but <clears throat> but the teams haven't necessarily consented to be coached so our first job is uh is to work with them to get that consent yeah um, I, I, and you and, and you can you can do that so it's just some people they have a different approach i'm more of a generative coach to uh to, to get that consent um, and doing that. And other people like just go and assume consent. So it's, it's we all kind of engage differently. Well, but I, I think, I'm, so let me violently agree kind of on a, on a point and let's talk about kind of a, and it's a fine point, but I think it's a really important one. Mm -hmm. I wrote a thing a long time ago about um, invitation to conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, I'll, and I'll use an example, right, in, in, in that April, I, I just met you. 
And if I were to say, hey, April, I'm really concerned about your relationship with your kid. It'd be a very short conversation, wouldn't it? And not a very productive one, <laughs> right? Conversely, if you and I had gone to high school together, right? And I'd, you know, I'd known you since before your kid was born and I'd, you know, been, been there with your, you and your kid for years and years. And I sat down with you and I said, hey, April, I'm concerned about what's going on kind of with you and your kid. That would be a meaningful conversation because I've earned the right to that conversation. Right. I have, I have, I've, I've put in the work to deserve that conversation. And we as coaches, and this is something that I, 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 I metaphorically just like tear my hair out about. <clears throat> we don't understand the impact of what we do all the time. Because mm -hmm. we're so revved up and excited about how cool and great what we do is that we forget that we're, we're messing with people's livelihoods. Right? We're messing with their ability to pay their bills and to put their kid to school and to retire and with the health of their organizations so that two years from now they'll have jobs. And, and I think that we're not respectful enough of, of those kind of conversations and that we have to earn our way into them. Yeah. And when I'm in an organization where there's been a top-down decision about you know, agility, what I basically do is I'll sit with the teams and I go, look, management says to do this, right? There's a bunch of basic mechanical stuff you can do to tick the box and make them happy. And I can show you how to do that. But if you do this other stuff, all this cool stuff starts happening. And how do, you know, what do you, what do you all want to do? Cause let's, you want to start with it, with this, you want to start with the cool stuff where what's the path that takes me to where your team wants to go that meets the standard that's going to make your boss and my client happy. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be a way of putting us both on the same side, which is kind of, I think, where, where we went up wanting to go. Um, yeah. And them getting, getting, having a voice, and it'll, it helps create the change to be sustainable and yeah. achieving, <clears throat> getting to a place that we're talking about, which you haven't tapped into yet. And then I'll let Steve chime in. Too, it's like the whole point of uh, leaders as coaches is helping support getting to a place of business agility and not putting the onus just on the team to change the oh, organizational God, yeah, shift. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the whole you know? concept of, of agility and I prefer that term over, over agile. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually heard coaches say it took me X number of days to be, to be agile. And so I am now agile. And that makes it sound like there's an end. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, no, there, there's no end to it. it. It's a continuous state. Right. So, so Mark, and, and you know, you brought up the, um, uh, the, the athletic coach. And so, you know, we all know, we've all seen amazing athletes, right? So, oh, gee, they just want a gold medal. So they stop practicing. They stop embracing their agility. They stop working and say, I've achieved it. I am now the world's greatest runner and I don't need to do continue to practice anymore? No, you always have to continue, right? Yeah. Um, you always have to have to keep going. Um, and I would like to, to make a point about the differences because I don't believe I can coach a team unless they've given me permission. However, if I am asked to work with a team, I can be a consultant to the team. I can consult them without their permission because management told me to tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. So here are the processes you have to implement. Right. Here's, here's the boxes that we're going to have to check. Here's our roadmap of how we're going to implement things. Now, 
if you don't, if, if you're not ready to be coached, that's okay. We'll come back to that conversation later. But these are the processes we're going to implement, and we can get some benefit from that, maybe. Um, or maybe we can't. But if we can get to the stage to where we can coach, we can go a lot further. And some of the consulting piece might be, all right, I'm going to work with you. You're not ready to be coached, but we're going to go through this training. We're going to implement this process. Here's how we're going to break our, up our work. Um, and I think there's a difference between consulting and, and coaching. And mm -hmm. Mark, and I think to, to your point, you're, we're, we're trying to focus on leaders can manage the teams and they can tell the teams what to do, or they can coach the teams and get the teams to really embrace and focus on the vision. And one of the fascinating things is, is when I've worked in different organizations is I've discovered that knowledge workers um, have the opportunity to really embrace the products and services when they understand them really well, mm -hmm. um, when they understand who the customer is. Certain, certain organizations have a big leg up. If you think about Spotify, well, think about it. Everybody at Spotify can use the product, yep. right? But then if you think about some of, you think about a financial company that sells securities, for example. Well, you know what? I don't really buy securities. I've never purchased a security. I've purchased a 401. You know, I purchased, um, you know, uh, my mutual funds, but I'm not purchasing the actual security. I don't know anything <laughs> about that business, right? So sometimes you may need leaders to, to become managers and direct the work because maybe they do know more about the work being done. But for the most part, you know, and I think what, what we're focusing on with agility is we want to embrace the knowledge workers. And if a leader has a team of 50 people and the leader is embracing the coaching stance and getting those 50 people focused on the problems to be solved, suddenly you have 50 brains focusing on the problem. If the leader is, is managing and telling the team what to do, then you have one brain and a hundred hands, right? Yeah. So, no, I, I, but I think the thing that the thing you've got to keep in mind is the leader already is coaching them. They're just coaching them in bad stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, the leader the leader is is doing all the things we want the leader to do in terms of setting the culture and setting expectations and encouraging behaviors and people and doing all that. But they're doing it unconsciously, and they're doing it in a way that delivers bad results. Yeah. Right? And that's and that so, other type of coach that you're uh, speaking about. That's why I say there's two different types of coaches that you're yeah. talking about, Mark. And that's that. That's a different kind of coach. Yeah. You know, and so, and so, you know, and I think very much, April, to go back to your thing, th there's a lot of, so first, I'm starting not even to talk about agile. I'm talking about organizational fitness. Right. And the reason I'm and the reason I'm doing that right now is that we've got like we're, we're, we're playing buzzword bingo with agility. Right. It's we have we have technical agility. We have business agility. We have product agility. We have, you know, it's a, it's a floor wax. It's a dessert topping. It's everything you could want it to be, you know, and it's sort of like, no, like we just want fit organizations. You know, I'm going to steal that that phrase, if you don't mind. Please. I, mean, I would love to see that become pervasive. <laughs> I, I really would, because. Because I think that, and I wrote some, something a while ago, and I basically said, first, as agilists, we've got to start being humble because there's a lot that goes into an organization being fit that we know nothing about, right? And, and we need to stop the idea that we can be the one-stop solution to organization. Because we're not, <laughs> right? I'm good at this one thing, and I can help you with maybe, maybe two or three others that I know a little bit about. 
but there's yeah. 10 other things that I know I know nothing about and I can't help you with those. Yeah. These out of the box solutions that you just want to plug and play. Yeah. <clears throat> but I went through the training class. Exactly. I'm certified. I got uh, my playbook. <clears throat> I know. Well, and, and so, <laughs> and to talk, let me go. And, and also I was going to say talking about team level agility, two things. One is it's a, you know, I'm old enough and I've been doing agile long enough that I've seen the make them agile kind of outcomes, you know, where the leader's like, Hey, here's my checkbook, go make them agile. And the reality is you do get improvement. You lower the friction at the work surface, right? You, you do get lift from doing that. The problem is it doesn't last. And it doesn't yeah. last because the leader is the coach and everybody's going to default back to the behaviors that the leader wants them to model. And the leadership changes. Yeah. Um, and then it goes awry because someone else comes in and like, oh, I don't like this stuff. Yeah, I got a new pattern. They just spent all this money to uh, help a team uh, uh, get some agility. You change the leadership and then it goes out the window because they don't yeah. like that way of working. That's right. Yeah, that, that's always the pattern. It's like, I, I can't, I, I have to change things so people know I'm the leader. Um, but the yeah. other thing about it yeah. is that when I, what I find is that enabling the team to help design the path mm -hmm. is actually the best way to get them involved. When I give dinner parties, one of the things I do is I always leave two or three things undone, right? At the, at the time it's supposed to start. Because what always happens is like one or two people will, you know, will show up first and they're always kind of that awkward place where they're standing around and they're waiting for other people to be here. And when I tell them to come in, hey, I need you to come chop some carrots in the kitchen. Right? It's like that ice is broken and it's now kind of theirs, particularly if it's people you don't know real well. And so I, I, what I'll do a lot is I'll sit with people and go, okay, here's the cookbook kind of path that we want to take. What's the right path for you guys and why? How do we build, rebuild this path in a way that makes sense? And the other piece of it is that by having the leaders, by, by focusing our energy as, as agilists on the leaders, if the leaders go first, right? There's, um, there's a, a movie about the Vietnam War called We Were Soldiers Once and Young. And it's an amazing movie. I mean, it really is. Um, I've got two kids who are in the military and it, it's, you know, I'm gripped by stuff like this. But one of the things that I really fixed on, and they made it a real beat in the movie, is that when the helicopters landed, the officer in charge was the first person who stepped off a helicopter. And when the helicopters picked everybody up and left, he was the last person who stepped on a helicopter. Right? And to me, that's the kind of leadership that people will engage with because it's a leader who eats last, right? Make sure my people get fed, then I eat. And it's a leader who basically says, I'm going to go where I want you to go. I'm not going to ask you to go there without me. Hmm. And I'm, you know, I talk to leaders all the time and I'm passionate about you have to lead the way. You have to be the change you want to see. Yeah, that's probably a good thing to wrap up on uh, as we try to get <laughs> Mr. Steve uh, <laughs> here to get his daughter Thank you guys. Yeah, that was that was the, the text message I was just responding to. But um, <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you guys, because I, I am trying to, to pick up my daughter who who has her first job. She's 17. This is the second weekend of her of her job. I'm very proud of her. 
That's awesome. Her. She was recently wow. accepted to a new college. So she's going to be leaving me soon. But... Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't say that. Where's she, where's she going to be? Just geographically, where's she going to go to school? She's going to be, be going 30 minutes away. So it won't be that bad. So, ah, so okay. for the first few yeah, weeks, she'll I had a, home and then she'll ditch me. <laughs> I had a rule with my kids that they had to go to school far enough away that they couldn't come home and do laundry. Yeah, that's not going to happen, but she can't <laughs> drive. So we got to go pick her up. So we're working on that one. Anyway, so, so, so Mark, you know, you had some, some brilliant things to, to, to discuss. There's the difference between, you know, consult agile coaching and agile consulting. Right. And, and we, we may need to do both. There's different types of coaching. There's leadership and management. You also brought up Eat, Leaders Eat Last, which is a great Simon Sinek book. Um, all of Simon Sinek stuff I, I love. Um, if, if anyone wants, wants to reach out to that. We're also going to put some stuff in the show notes. But Mark, if I'm, I'm a leader, especially if I'm a new leader, or I'm middle management, and I might be getting squeezed by this whole agile thing, what do I do? That's a great question. I, th I think that what you do is first understand that these are kind of lessons. I'm looking for the right word. It's a change in the role. It's not an abandonment of the role. And I think that, that again, one of the reasons I see pushback from so many middle managers is that the agilists talk a lot about how they're disempowering the middle manager to empower the teams. They don't talk about what they're giving back to the middle manager. And a big part of what they should be giving back to the middle manager is, I wanna be teaching you, Mr. Manager of 100 people, to be the agile coach for your 100 people. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. You're the person, right? My job is to come in here and show you how to do what I do well enough that I can leave and you can keep doing it on in perpetuity because you your organization is going to keep improving and i yes. think if you can do that that's where the leaders become coaches yeah okay. well I they start understanding that uh they're becoming people managers not managers of the the work micromanaging they're they're becoming people managers they're looking at how they can help support them be successful their careers grow and thrive and so on and so forth um, when they're coaching them through it's, they discover they have value and have a place yeah absolutely and I think mm -hmm. I would I would add to that that they are also str strategy managers right at whatever the appropriate level is on this is the direction we're going this is what the outcome that we want to drive to, how do we as a group get there and how do I build the right group and support the right group to get us there? And that's where their journey is. And I think it's a great journey. I think it's a much better, you know, when I've been a manager back in, back when I actually did work and I built stuff um, and, I, and I was managing teams, when I could do that and when all I was dealing with was people, you know, the people, HR, sort of stuff and the directional stuff i was i've never been i've never been happier i mean that's just that's as good as it gets i think for you as yeah, a leader but, or manager but mark you you have you're a people person all right i know that's i know that's a, yeah. that's a that's a great great buzzword but you love to embrace people you love to talk with people uh you know we we've been in the same physical space and you're just this warm energetic 
type of individual. However, one of the things that we're see, that we've seen a lot of organizations, because we work with a lot of technology, we work with software, mm-hmm. is many people chose a career to work at a keyboard with technology as opposed to working with, you know, face to face and and with the people issues. And suddenly they get promoted yep. because they're the lead developer. <laughs> and now they know more about the work that everybody else does because, but as soon as they're promoted, they spend less time in the code. They spend more time focusing on the product or the project or dealing with these issues. And so they lose where they were. Yep. And, and, and so now they need to embrace something else. That's a challenge. I think, I think there's two challenges contained in that. Mm-hmm. I think the first challenge is we have done a horrible thing in our economy, which is to say that the only way that you can you know, advance mm-hmm. is by having headcount and by being somebody who's in charge of a lot of people. And what we've done is we've devalued people who are actually contributors and, and you know, leaders in different ways. And I think that, that one thing that we really, and I'm passionate here to get revved up about this, right, is we need to kind of like revalue craft. Mm-hmm. And we need to basically make it really clear that there should be people who are craftspeople, right, who are brilliant coders or brilliant engineers or brilliant plumbers or brilliant, you know, welders or whatever, mm-hmm. right, in organizations who are as respected as the management are, right? Management is a function. It's not the function of the organization. And, and so you get me, I'm, I got revved up about that. Let me back it down. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, there's a classic joke about, you know, how do you tell an extroverted engineer they stare at your shoes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And, and so part of what you can coach people on, I spend a ton of time coaching people on, on how to interact with folks, right? How do I lead a meeting, right? How do I do this stuff? And how do I, and because it's a teachable skill. I learned how to do it, right? I was a little math physics kid, you know, you know, nerd, you know, glasses nerd in junior high school. And I had a, a, a a weird academic detour, which I'm not, you know, is boring story, but that gave me a different space. And I sort of asked myself the question of like, okay, I want to hang out with the cool kids. How do I change my behavior to get to hang out with the cool kids? And all this stuff that you see is learned behavior. It's not innate. I see you as a nerd. I, yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Good. I, mean, I embrace my inner nerd. <laughs> I think it's part of your charm. Um, <clears throat> Okay, because I think that is that is an amazing challenge, and I think as agile coaches, we need to have a great deal of empathy um, for for the organizations and the people who have been put put in that place. So, um, and and to April, your point it, is it is about time for us to to finish up. So, Mark, are you are you ready with the dad joke yet? Did he give you the dad joke yet, April? He did not give me a dad joke. Okay, hang on, I got it right here. This is the last dad joke I sent my kids. I think we gotta get to that joke. I think we deserve that one. <laughs> okay. Me. Um, hey, guess what? Leave me out of this. I hear the devil's going bald. Please stop. So don't. This is these are my kids responding to me. There will be hell to pay. Oh <laughs> yeah, dad joke. <laughs> 
kids hate me. I think that I think that's a great dad joke. So, um, you know, you got one, Steve. I'm not a dad, so I don't have to have the dad jokes. Yeah, moms no, don't do what, no. what are their mom jokes. We, yeah. What the heck? I don't know. It's like you guys have like it's just constant all day long. Um, no, we we have my husband uh, goes. He's like, man, I waste all my jokes on you. I'm like, because if I laugh at them, if I entertain them, it'll just never end. <laughs> we have a family chat. So I have with, to pick and choose which ones I engage chat in. With my three sons, my kind of daughter, my ex-wife, their my my two of my sons' wives. And I'm going to say half of the family chat, and it's been going on for 10 years, and half of the family chat is dad jokes. And, 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 I've, and I've never been prouder of the fact that two of my sons have started like dad joking. Yes. And, I, and I feel like, like my job is done. I can die now. I'm, I'm, I'm over. It's, it's good. <laughs> They're ready to be parents. When they... <laughs> oh, they are parents. So your leadership and coaching not, is not only effective in organizations, but it is great at teaching teaching uh, young adults to be really bad joke tellers. Exactly. <laughs> I love Different that. type of coaching. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It is Mark. Mark, it, it, as always, it's, it's a pleasure to hang out with you uh, and, and, and to hear your advice. I, I have a feeling this is not the last time the three of us talk. I hope not. I, this and, has been a blast. And April, it's great to meet you. And I would love to talk some more and learn more about you. I love it. So, Mark, how do we reach you? How do we tell our listeners how? Um, so you? the easiest way, LinkedIn, obviously, Mark Danziger. Um, I've got a very dashing looking picture of me actually talking at the Women's March in L.A. a couple of years ago. Um, I've got um, my email is real simple. It's my name. It's mark at Danziger dot org. OK, well, will we find you with uh, one of those little pink hats on as well? Uh, no, no, no pink hat. I was I was I was. I've got a, an organization called Rights Universal that, that I started a couple of years ago that publicizes um, both successes and challenges for vulnerable populations in North Africa, the Middle East, and South Asia. And because oh. it's an area that I think gets ignored pretty heavily. And um, and we we actually had some fun for a while. I need to re, I need to go raise some more money for it and hire some more journalists and get some more stories out because there's a lot going on. I, I, th I think we could, we could, um, yeah, I want to talk about this uh, in a little more detail. So if you'd like to learn more about it, please subscribe to our channel because Mark, we're going to swing back to this in a couple of months. Okay. I mean, um, if, if that's, if that's all right, we, we want to, because agile world is a charity organization. We are in multiple different languages. We're expanding into, um, not just podcasts, but, but also quality information, wellness, and this is something else that we would like to expand into is more society and helping others. Yeah. So I think, uh, I, I, you know, the other thing I, I, I pitch very hard and, and this is something I, you know, I've worked on in the last couple of jobs I've had. Agile jobs are kind of awesome jobs. And can be. <laughs> well, you know, they have challenges as all jobs do, but they're, but they're kind of awesome jobs. And I think that they're not as widely known on as they should be in organizations. And, and one thing that, that we did a fair amount was we connected with all, all the DEI organizations and the companies that we contracted with. And we would try and do brown bags with them on just, hey, these are agile jobs, be aware of what they are. And that here's a career path for agility. And I think that I'd love to see you know, more of that. And I'm happy, to, I'm happy to give brown bags on that anytime somebody wants to call me in on it. I love it. Mm. All right. 
So we're going to um, say goodbye. So Thank you very much. All of this information is going to be in, in the show notes on Agile World News. Please make sure you subscribe and you'll get more of April Jefferson and Mark Danziger. And I know you guys are probably tired of listening to me, but that's okay. I bring on amazing people. So, <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys so much. And uh, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.